Welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLarenvale, where we seek to be apprentices of Jesus. We are currently looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which can be found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus is announcing the kingdom of heaven with its implications for every aspect of our lives. There is so much for us to learn and to put into practice. Let's get into it with this teaching from our Sunday gathering. A friend of mine um, has a 13-year-old daughter, and um, just last week she was at the the bus stop and there was some some guys there and they started uh, propositioning her and uh, telling her different things about her body and um, she was understandably pretty freaked out um, at at that occurrence and um, it impacted her a lot fortunately nothing more came of it it wasn't touched in any way Um, but it was just a an alarming moment really tough uh, for her tough for her family um, and, and others, and um, oh, it, it goes both ways. Like there's, there's many uh, more intense and more shocking stories that could be shared uh, when it comes to how this world um, and people within this world view sex um, and the, the human body, um, but we are a long way uh, from God's intended design in terms of our understanding of these sorts of things. Uh, I should say that um, our topic today is sex, Um, and so this does come with some adult themes, um, and so it's just a warning for anyone who might be here or listening on the podcast. Uh, I'm not going to go super graphic on anyone, but it is just something to be aware of. Um, So if you have read through the Sermon on the Mount, we've opened up just now, um, probably won't take you too long to work out what our focus passage is for today. Um, so we have been having a look through the Sermon on the Mount, and this is Jesus teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And so he has just declared that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and we are to repent. We are to think different about heaven, think different about God's kingdom, that it is not this far-off reality, but it is right here, right now. And he's called out some people who are the outcasts. So Jesus said surprising things, and he said them to surprising people. So this mob of people um, who really didn't have a lot going for them, Jesus has declared that they are the salt of the earth. They are the light of the world. And this is just a group of no-hopers, in the eyes of those in that society at that time, a group of no-hopers. And all they've done is they've happened to be around Jesus and some of them probably for one day. And he's told them already, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. They haven't spent all this time in in Bible college. Uh, They haven't done the things that might be expected in order to be given that kind of a title. But there's one thing they're doing in that moment, and that is that their eyes are fixed on Jesus. As their eyes are fixed on Jesus, he makes this incredible declaration of their identity. And then he goes on to articulate what it means that God's kingdom has come near. Just like how Moses gets up and the Ten Commandments are given to Moses, as well as the 603 other commandments that are given as well, 
And that is so the people of Israel, as they've just come out of slavery in Egypt, they know how they are to live as a community. It wasn't just about the one individual. Yes, the one individual mattered, but they were a part of a much bigger whole. And so as Jesus addresses this, he's saying, this is not just about you. This is about my kingdom. This is what it looks like when we live different and live according to the pattern of God. This is what things are like when God is king, when he is in charge. And so last week, we got into some of the nitty-gritty where we're looking at anger. And Jesus starts off saying, your ancestors were told, do not commit murder. I say anyone who hates his brother. Ooh, that brings it down a little bit closer to home for most of us. It's not just a case of your outward action, but it's the inward intent of your heart, which was in the law the whole time. Anyone know what the Tenth Commandment is? Thou shalt not covet is the old language. You shall not want to do any of the things I've just told you you shouldn't do in the first nine, pretty much. So it's always been there that we should have this heart to do the right thing, not just outwardly perform the action. But Jesus really hammers that home in saying, you shouldn't even be angry with your brother or sister. You shouldn't say any insult to them. And now he goes on to say, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. So Jesus is saying that is a good plan. Don't commit adultery. He is affirming that, but he's saying that's not sufficient for society. This incident that happened last week, it'd be very hard to find a way to press charges against the people involved in that. And our society is filled with that kind of thing, like... We watched an episode of Friends um, a week or two ago. I was like, I don't remember it being this sexualized. Like, this is a highly sexualized TV show. Um, but it's just indicative of the society that we live in where there is so much desensitization towards that sort of stuff. And it's easy to not be aware of what is influencing us and what's shaping the way that we think. We must not get sucked into the ways of this world. We must not live according to the pattern of this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to have his way of thinking, Jesus' way of thinking, not what's going on around us. Or we end up seeing people as objects for our own gratification. Like, for that, young girl there's all these questions and whether you're an object of lust whether you're the one who is projecting that on someone else whether you feel like you're not an object of lust because you don't measure up to the standards or whatever like there's so much stuff in there that just messes with people's heads and it is such a big thing in in our society and Jesus comes against it. And he says, yes, to the we shall not commit adultery. We are to keep that 
special relationship between a husband and a wife is sacred. But also, he says, anyone who looks at a woman with lust, in order to lust after her, has already committed adultery in his heart. And he makes the standard very clear. It's not just the outward action, it is the intent of the heart. As we read about these sorts of things, it's easy to become a bit moralistic with it. It's easy for it to become this performance thing and we need to prove ourselves by not doing the things that we're told not to do. But a beautiful thing about all of this is that it's not about us proving ourselves, it's us proving Him. It's us proving how good He is, how capable He is of being able to fulfill the things that He commanded in us. Whenever He commands us to do something, He empowers us to do it as well. He doesn't just say, here's a whole bunch of things that you can't possibly do and you're going to fail in them. He gives us a high standard, but he gives us his Holy Spirit in order that we can fulfill his standard. Not by trusting in ourselves, but by trusting in him. Continually going back and going, yes, we are susceptible to these things, but he's able to hold us and able to keep us from stumbling, as it says in Jude. And it's also, we can get into that mindset of like, oh, I need to do this. Um, or we can push back on it and be like, oh, it's all His grace. It's not about me living up to any standard. It's just His grace. I can't possibly fulfill the standard. And so I'm just going to be dependent on His grace to forgive me when I stuff up. And we push back on having to live up to a certain standard, even with what can be quite religious language. But with each of these things, we're actually invited into something so much bigger than us. It's not just about us. This is about a society where things like what happened to my friend's daughter don't happen. This is about us pushing back and seeing a different culture emerge where people are freer from that sort of stuff. There's an idea in our world that says we are free and we express our freedom by doing what we feel like doing. But that kind of freedom actually restricts other people's freedom. So my freedom to walk towards, I'm actually going to keep walking like this, my freedom of walking like this towards Scotty actually inhibits his freedom. He's either going to get hit. I told you I was going to keep walking like this. Um, he has to move or he's going to get hit. All right. So my freedom to do that restricted his freedom. What I chose to do had a direct impact upon him. Whereas the freedom that we're called into by Christ, it is for freedom that you have been set free, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. The freedom that he calls us into perpetuates. So the freedom that I live out because I am in Christ actually gives other people more freedom. Because I'm considering them. I have the freedom to love Scotty. 
I have the freedom to call out the best in him. There's a song um, that I listened to quite a lot a few years ago. And it has a phrase in there which says, you haven't seen me until you've seen me filled with joy. That's a really interesting phrase. You haven't seen me until you've seen me filled with joy. And I think there's a real truth to that statement, that when someone is overflowing with joy, you see who they are. Because if you are overwhelmed by joy, then things like self-consciousness take a massive back seat and you do reveal who you are more. One aspect of the song that I don't love as much is that it's kind of like, you don't really know me. It's got a bit of that vibe to it. You haven't seen me till you see me filled with joy. It's not the intention of it, but it could be taken that way. I love it the other way. I haven't seen you until I've seen you filled with joy. And then it becomes not about me having the joy, but about what can I do to help Josh to be filled with joy and to acknowledge there's things that we'll all benefit from as he comes to that place of being filled with joy and free from the things that would hold him back from expressing who he is and who God's created him to be. As Jesus is talking about his kingdom, he's talking about these kinds of things. Yes, it is about us, but it's so much more than just about us. It's about a community who reflects him, who makes everyone hungry for more of him. You know, the message paraphrase of Matthew 5, the salt of the earth, is about bringing out the God flavors. The light of the world is bringing out the God colors so that others can see him, others want more of him. And that's what we're, what we're called to. Let's have a look, Matthew 5. I'll paraphrase a little bit of it, but we'll, we'll read through. Oh, before we do, I, I'm certainly not up here as one who's been unaffected by this. Like, I know what it is to have my perception distorted by pornography. By pornography. I know what it is to be free from it. I know what it is um, to to be under it and then to have the the stuff that starts out as this fantasy type thing that comes into reality and messes with it this thing that can be seen as oh it's it's victimless it's not victimless it's supporting something that is oppressive at its very core and something that distorts the anyone who engages in it there's a distortion that happens, distortion of reality, a distortion of perception, the way you see people, and it does objectify, and it's a mess. And I think we all know the, the theory of it, but again, with, with this, like with, with murder, saying that just wanting to murder someone, if there were no consequences and no one can find out, as we talked about last week, there would be more murders that happen in the world if no one was to find out. And then when it comes to things like adultery, you have private browsing, incognito mode, and, and that sort of stuff. And I know how that messed with me, the idea that no one would find out, didn't have to clear the history, 
just this sense of there's, there's no consequence to this, which is a joke. Of course there is a consequence to it. This stuff matters, and it's significant. And I share as one um, who has vulnerability in this, but I have a God who is able to hold me up, and he is good, and he calls me, he calls each of us to a high standard, and he empowers us to fulfill it. So let's read it from verse uh, 27 of Matthew chapter 5. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I do want to clarify one thing. This is an intentional look. This is not someone just noticing that someone is attractive. I think we all have a tendency to go one way or the other, and it can change depending on the hour or the day. But we all have a tendency to condemn ourselves or to excuse ourselves. And we need to be aware of that tendency in different things. And with this, it's possible to go obviously either way and to be in a place where you're condemning yourself for anything and everything. And I've been there where even being aware of someone's attractiveness to you and suddenly go, oh, how bad am I? This is not talking about that. It's talking about the intentional look where you're intending. And it's not saying I'm just going to sit here on this beach of bikini-clad. I'm not intentionally looking. I am just happen to be here. You know, you're putting yourself into that situation. Obviously, it's not talking about that. But it's not saying just because you walk past someone and notice that suddenly, oh, no, how bad am I? You know, I think you get where I'm coming from with that one. Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And, not just or, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. This sounds like extreme action to me. Would you agree? Taking extreme action against temptation. And the reality is temptation will always come. There will always be temptation. And different things will tempt us at different seasons of our life. But we are to take extreme action. I've um, had different people over the years who have asked me to, to be a, an accountability partner when it comes to websites and stuff. You have those, those different subscriptions that you can get and they'll send a report to an accountability person. I've been on both ends of that. Um, when we were living in Canada um, for, for five months, we didn't have internet for that time. And that was a decision um, for me. It was like, it's easier if we just don't have internet at home. Um, and we, <laughs> our kids were young and we um, had a subscription to the Play Cafe down the road. Um, and so we would you know, do whatever there um, that we need to do that involve the internet. Um, but public spaces um, can help if you're struggling in that sort of, uh, those sorts of areas. And just going, what action can I take that's going to help in this area? Um, and having that accountability from other people definitely helps. But not being afraid to um, make things inconvenient 
I got Christy to put a, um, a passcode in on my phone that would restrict what I could access. And Christy forgot what the passcode was. So I had years where I just couldn't access, because it overkills. There's so many things that shouldn't be blocked that are blocked, and it's really inconvenient. Um, but it was just a, a consequence of overstepping the mark um, far too many, far too many times. Um, and simple stuff. But it's worth doing. It's worth taking this stuff seriously. Um, and, of course, in the midst of this, as I mentioned before, we don't want to just moralize and have this all this stuff that we have to do. We need to realize when it comes to taking sin serious, no one has taken sin more serious than the person who never committed it. You look at this stuff and go gouging out an eye, cutting off your hand, that's extreme action against sin. But so is sacrificing your life. Like Jesus died in our place. He died in order that we would be free from sin. He died to pay the penalty for our sin. That's extreme action that he took on our behalf for sin. We need to understand that there is a cost to it and it's worth us inconveniencing ourselves. That's pretty inconvenient, not having your hand. Pretty inconvenient, not having your eye. But it's getting perspective on these things. There's a couple of passages um, where Paul speaks about very, very similar stuff. So in Colossians 3, verse 5, he says, Therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Put it to death. That sounds extreme as well, doesn't it? It's not saying we put ourselves to death. It's putting to death those things. Those things that are there that are seeking to have control over us. Ephesians 5.2, very similar. Both of these passages mention greed, which is interesting. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. Things the NIV that says there should be not even a hint of sexual immorality, greed, impurity amongst you as is proper for the saints. And this standard that we're given is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And any time we feel like it's hopeless, there's no chance that we can possibly fulfill what we've been asked to fulfill, we come back to Him. Really simple strategy that I've used um, for the last five years is when a, a thought comes in, you have that temptation that comes in, and this can be temptation for anything. Um, there's three, probably more than that, but there's three things that come to my mind that are really unhelpful to do when you have that initial temptation, initial thought that comes in. So the first one is you just feel guilty about it from the outset. You're like, oh, I can't believe I had that thought. Like, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. I can't believe I had that thought. And you condemn yourself based on a temptation, based on something that's just a, a seed of sin. Second unhelpful approach is to indulge it. Whatever it is the temptation is, just to go ahead and give in to it and succumb and do the thing that you know you ought not to do. 
So whether you're just feeling condemned, whether you go and indulge it, obviously your focus is on the sin. A third option is just to be so determined that you're not going to think about it. It's like, don't think about it, don't think about it. And we all know that never works. You end up thinking about it. You're so focused on not thinking about it that that becomes your focus. All three things cause us to focus on the sin. Whether we feel guilty from the outset, we're trying desperately to avoid it, that we end up focusing on it, or we indulge it. But a fourth option that is an absolute game changer is to acknowledge your weakness and acknowledge the strength of the one who's able to help you in your time of need. And then you go from temptation to gratitude and worship and praise. You're like, thank you, God, that I never have to go there again. Thank you, God, that that is behind me. Thank you that you empower me to live a different life. Suddenly, we have a focus on the one who sets us free. As we keep reading, we get to verse 31, and Jesus hits up divorce. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in a case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. In its context, it seems to flow on from this thing of lust. And there's a very different sexual ethic, national sexual ethic, amongst the Jews of that time and amongst Australians in 2021. Would you agree? It wasn't that there weren't any dodgy practices going on amongst the Jews, because there definitely were plenty of dodgy practices going on. But the standard that we have in Australia in 2021 is very different to what we had 50 years ago, and it's very different to what the Jewish people had as a national sexual ethic. And so in that time, if you had someone who wanted to sleep with someone else, there's a legitimate way I can divorce my current wife and I can find a new partner. I get to exercise my lust on somebody else. Out with the old, in with the new. It's not the only application of this verse, but it flows on from this idea of greed and selfishness. Selfishness. How much does selfishness mess with our world, with us? He's like, don't cover up and think you're holy and doing the right thing because the person you're married to is your wife, even in the midst of something that can seem culturally good, you can be exercising your own lust and you can be fulfilling something that's inappropriate. There's plenty more that can be said about that, but I'd really love for us to have some time just to to sit with this um, and I think to appreciate the significant impact that our culture is having on people around us, but also on us personally when it comes to our sexual ethic, when it comes to our understanding of things, when it comes to the way we see people, our expectations around all these sorts of things.
And so we're going to take some time, um, yeah, to do that, to sit with that, and then have a chance to, to pray with one another. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a chance just to, to sit with this for a few minutes, and then I'll, I'll close. So, Father, we want to thank you so much for Jesus. We want to thank you for establishing a kingdom and empowering a kingdom that is so different from the kingdoms of this world. Thank you for freedom for each and every one of us to live the life that you're calling us to live. I pray that we would trust you for the power to live as you call us to live. I pray that we would receive your grace every day. We would receive your grace right now for our shortcomings, our falling short in all these different areas. Lord, we commit that to you. We seek your forgiveness, your restoration, and your empowerment. Lord, expose things now and set us free to live different free from the lies and understanding your truth and walking in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so I encourage you to sit. Feel free to read through this passage again. Uh, Those verses I read out before, Colossians 3, 5, Ephesians 5, 2, um, helpful ones to, to reflect on and, and meditate on. Um, but in one sense here, like we're, we're all victims, and I don't want us to have a victim complex or to have a victim mentality in this, but we are a part of something that is much bigger uh, that makes it pretty challenging to have God's view of sex and marriage because of the culture that we are a part of. And because we are in the midst of what we're in the midst of, we have to fight the current culture. We have to say no to what's happening around us. And the best way we can say no to something that we don't want is to say yes to what we do want and what is the ultimate. So let's be aware of what's going on in the world around us, but our focus needs to be on Jesus because he's the one that sets us free to live different and allows a community where kids grow up with a healthy understanding of marriage and a healthy understanding of sex, a healthy understanding of body image. There is so much that makes that a challenge. I think we're all aware of that. But let's yeah, just take a couple of minutes in order to reflect on these things. And, and feel free in this, if you'd like um, to pray, receive prayer from someone around you, then, then ask for that. Um, and then I'll close in a couple of minutes and be able to head out and, and grab some dinner. just felt to bring one little clarification. Um, so Christy's been involved in terms of accountability for me over the years. Um, and she's wanted to be involved she wanted to know um, what's going on for me in that space Um, and two clarifications one it's not just a male problem obviously 
Um, but the second clarification is don't have your partner as your main accountability person when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um, it's, yeah, more. I've always had at least someone else that I've shared with, you know, with, with this sort of stuff. And don't just put it on them. Um, it can be too much, but it can also be a bit of a cop-out as well. Um, but don't keep it from them. It's, it's important that we are honest and, and transparent. And, and that goes with everything. Like, we don't want to put on a, a facade and pretend to be something that we're not. It is such an easy thing within the, the Christian community is to try and, you know, you put on a mask, put on a face. Um, but let's, let's be real. And it doesn't mean you need to come up here and confess your sins every week. Once a month is fine. Um, like th there are times where it's appropriate to confess publicly. Um, but most of the time it is a case of you're just confessing um, and you've, you've got some people who you are regularly uh, updating about whatever areas of struggle um, you have. You know, being transparent with others. And like there's, there's a revelation I had and it, it wasn't directly connected with the Bible passage, but I still feel like it's a helpful one to share. Uh, there's um, Matthew 25, Jesus tells three parables and one of them is about the sheep and the goats. Um, and he says to uh, these two groups of people, um, their um, entry into the kingdom or exclusion from it was based upon what they did to the least of Jesus' brothers and sisters. Whatever you did to the least of these brothers of mine, that's the reason that you're in or you're out. Um, and the revelation was something that was quite different to that. The revelation was what I wouldn't even do in front of the least other person I'll do in front of Jesus. So I mentioned before about the Play Cafe. There was no way that I was going to be looking up dodgy stuff at the Play Cafe. That wasn't going to happen. Um, but, or on a bus. I wasn't going to, you know, start looking at that on a, on a bus. But I would do that in the presence of, of God. And so what I would not do amongst the person I had the least regard for, I would do in front of God, and it just was a, whoa, a moment of, of perspective. When we hear words like, or phrases like, not even a hint, it can be quite condemning, and it can be a sense of like, oh man, not even a hint. I want it to be an empowering statement. Amongst you, there should not be even a hint of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed. Imagine that. Imagine you completely free. Imagine me completely free. Kind of like when we feel the joy, we'll see who each other really is. Whatever he commands, he empowers. I referenced that before, but I want to close with a blessing from, from Jude. A benediction I heard many, many, or sung many, many times when I was growing up. Um, but I just invite you to receive this. Um, it speaks about us and it speaks about God. So it helps you to put your hands out, you know, just to have that attitude of I'm receiving this. So this is Jude, verse 24. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy 
I totally forgot that word joy was in there until I read it just then. How good. Without blemish and with great joy or exceeding joy, as we used to sing back in the day, to the only God our Savior, throughout, sorry, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. God bless you guys. Um, if you want to chat generally, then feel free to do that. Head out to the foyer, head out and grab some dinner. As Christy said before, if you didn't bring anything to contribute to dinner, feel free to stick around anyway. Um, but I do want to set this space aside. Scotty will um, sort out the volume from right here. Magically, just sort out the volume from right here, and the speakers will increase in volume in just a moment. Um, but this will be a space, if you would like just to sit on your own, if you would like to uh, receive some prayer, then hang out in the space. Um, but let, So I'm basically saying don't chat in here so that this can be a space set apart for doing business with the Lord. Um, but let's continue doing business with the Lord as we head out and have dinner, have good conversations, chat with one another, encourage one another. God bless you guys. Thanks, Scotty.